You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gross. I'd like to welcome a super good friend of mine to the podcast this week. He is a music agent, music talent agent at, or, or whatever, <laughs> I already forgot, at United Talent Agency, UTA. Um, he's uh, an ex-co-worker. We worked at Universal together years ago. Um, he is my number one show buddy here in Los Angeles and just an all-around great guy. And I'd like to welcome Darius Sabat to the Grossed Out Podcast. What's up, dude? Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's like you need entrance music or something, like get in the uh-huh. ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So today, this is actually perfect. I didn't even think about that. That was like literally a pun that was not supposed to be a pun. But today, I'm super stoked to talk to you about this because we had a, probably, there's a plethora of bands that you and I could talk about, but I really wanted to talk about something big with you because you have big opinions and big thoughts and big emotions about about the music <laughs> that you like, just like I do. So today we're digging into Guns and Fucking Roses, and I'm super excited about it. Fuck, man. Gu- gu- Guns and Roses is why I'm here. Like, I, I yeah. honestly, like, that's that's why I'm in the music business. That's Guns and Roses is the seed that went into the pot that grew... <laughs> this disgusting black flower that I currently am. Um, (laughs) Me too, man. I'm pretty psyched, man. I mean, no, seriously, like I was in fifth, fifth grade, man. That's like when it all happened for me. And, uh, it was it, my whole life starts because of guns and roses, honestly. No, totally. And I, I feel the same way. It's like, that's, that's where that was the first tape that I had to ask my mom if it was okay to buy. Cause it had a parent advisory sticker on it. She said, yes. So thanks mom. That was, that's where it all, like oh, wow. I, my mom, my mom had to buy it for me. Oh, damn. Well, I mean, I think she went with me if I recall, but I mean, it was all like, there before, you go. before that for me, it was all like, I mean, we're all talking about a condensed, what, two year period before that came out where I was like super young, but it was like white snake poison, Def leopard. And when GNR happened, it was like, Oh, this is like, that was the gateway for me. Like, so I, I assume for you, it was pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I, well, I remember uh, when I was in fifth grade, um, I just started watching MTV. And uh, when I saw the music video for You Could Be Mine, mm-hmm. that was just it, man. I mean, like, now granted, they, Appetite for Destruction came out before that. So that would have been me in like third grade. So if you look at the age, when you're in third grade, what are you, like nine? I mean, like, yeah, I don't even yeah. know how, but yeah, you're, you're really, really, really young. Like yeah. you're not, you're not quite into music yet. At least I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I know everything when it, about, uh, about music, but it's like, I don't know. Some people maybe catch on and, and develop a musical taste later. I sure. got mine in fifth grade. How old were you? I think probably, I think I remember vividly in fourth, because I think I'm a year or two older than you, so which is actually very per- important to this specific conversation, because in fourth grade, I was already fucking with Appetite. I think at that time, Lies came out while I was in fourth grade. So I was already like, a, I, that's why I'm saying like, I was a diehard fan of this off the bat. So for me, it was probably fourth grade 
where music really started connecting like not just oh i like yeah. this song or like cool the guy on the bus played like license to ill and then like I, that's the tape i got like no fourth grade was where i think i started buying or getting band shirts and i started having an identity that's pretty much the same as i am now at 40. okay so real talk like when i was in like second third fourth grade i would I had just discovered MTV and it was always watching MTV raps because back then it was like MC hammer and stuff like just, you're a little kid and you just, you see fun dance music or whatever. So I would go downstairs after school and watch MTV raps. Well, one day I I remember like right after MTV raps, it just went into like regular music videos or just some sort of rock show or whatever. But I remember very clearly, very vividly the you could be mine video, which was, Mm -hmm probably the first music video they put out off either use your illusion records. It was, and it, was it was in conjunction with Terminator two starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my mind was blown into a billion pieces. <laughs> yeah. Man, it was like, there's still, I don't look, there's never going to be, there's, I don't think any band has had as many copycats as GNR. And I, and I think that, at least like of bands that weren't like the Stones or the Beatles or Zeppelin or whatever who have been or Sabbath. Sabbath is probably the most ripped off band ever. Um, poorly, I might add. <laughs> but Guns N' Roses, Chains, oh, Alice in Chains as well. Oh, for sure, and Pearl Jam. But that's a whole other tangent. But yeah. but I feel that you could be mine. Like when that came out, especially already being a fan, that song to the like nothing has ever sounded like that. Nothing ever will sound. There was something about the way that Axel wrote at the time, because he wrote a lot of those two records. And there's something about the way that he wrote, sang, performed, sequenced. This just, it's like Elton John on steroids, basically. Well, they, they also benefited from Terminator 2. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. I mean, mm-hmm. like as a, as a little kid, I, I could not go see an R-rated movie. So the visuals of Terminator 2, which to this day, it's 2020. Terminator 2 to this day is the greatest action movie to ever, ever, ever come out, ever be put on a big screen. It's Terminator fun. 2. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's de- definitely the first sequel I remember being better than the original. Right. So imagine that. We're talking about the greatest action movie of all time is coming out and it's being promoted by an up and coming, super dangerous, super successful rock band called Guns N' Roses from fucking Hollywood, California. It's like a perfect storm is just erupting you've got star power you've got fucking fireworks going off everywhere it's like you have arnold schwarzenegger and you have you know robert patrick as the t-1000 and then you and then in the background you have axel screaming and slash playing guitar and it's just it's it's an incredible it's the it was the perfect song it was the perfect movie it was the perfect moment and as a little kid coming home from school in fifth grade it captured me and yeah. and I remember right then I was like, okay, MC Hammer, you're done. Guns N' Roses, <laughs> you're in. I love it. There's just no segue. It's like, all right, you're up. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. Oh yeah, it was it was it was over. And uh, I begged my mom to buy me those tapes. I mean, I, I used like whatever uh, my allowance money or, but I bet she had to buy it because of the parental stickers. Sure. I mean, dude, and, uh, I, I, it was, I, I bought, I, I said it on an earlier podcast too, that I had bought those tapes specifically at this pharmacy in Delray Beach, Florida with my grandmother 
And I remember, like, she didn't, they were, like, six ninety nine, so cheap. And she, like, just didn't, the pharmacy just didn't care. So I would get all my tapes there because, like, it didn't matter if it was Guar, GNR, Ice-T. The pharmacies just had no fucks to give. They're, like, fine, it's $7. <laughs> so, like, probably why a lot of my early collection was, like, by the time I was old enough to wear, to notice, like, maybe I shouldn't be buying these tapes. It was already too late, and my mom really was cool about it. Yeah. That's awesome. My mom too. I, I'm very, very lucky to have had parents that were so cool about me expressing myself in that way and not looking over my shoulder at what I'm reading or listening to. Yeah. Um, they let me watch R rated movies in middle school and high school. Same. They let me listen to whatever I wanted. I just had to get good grades. Yeah, basically the same. And we used to have like a deal where if I got tickets to a show and I, I hated getting up on time and if I didn't, they would hold the tickets. And if I didn't get up on time for school and I fucked up enough, those tickets went away. I never had a pair. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. I never had a pair of tickets taken away from me. It was the ultimate motivator. It's like, hey, you want to go see Pantera and Typo Negative? Well, you have to get up on time every day until that show. And I fucking would. So it's like, what a cool bargaining tool. Way to go, mom. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. There was a book, um, there was a Guns N' Roses book that came out way back then. Um, oh, I don't remember this. Uh, it'll come to me. I, it wasn't. What was it about specifically? It was about the band. It was a, oh, it was just... like a biography and I, I devoured the damn thing. Hmm. So I, I guess here, the thing I'm getting into is, uh, I did finally get in a little bit of trouble with Guns N' Roses and it was when my obsession was like full blown and I had both Use Your Illusion records on tape, uh, Appetite, Lies, all that. This was right before I got my first CD player, which I think was at the end of fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. Okay. I don't know, but it was around then because I wore the tape. You know, if you listen to a tape over and over and over and over again, like the magnets in it. Oh, like, yeah, makes, I, the, makes the audio quality get really bad. It's happened multiple times for me, <laughs> Mo yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So eventually I was like, I need to get like a, like a CD player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I started getting in trouble because at school I was going up to the marker boards and I would write in giant letters G N F N R S. Oh man. <laughs> and, and nobody knew what it meant, but I, I but one teacher like asked and or one teacher knew i don't know somebody knew i was like that stands for that stands for guns and fucking roses right and <laughs> they reported me to the principal's office and they called my parents and said your child doesn't stop writing gnf and rs on the marker board <laughs> and and amazing. my my mom was humiliated and took away my guns and roses book and told me I couldn't listen to them until like I got my shit together. But uh, I mean, it's the honest to goodness truth. No, man. that's like, amazing. Like, it's amazing. Can you imagine if your mom was like fucking deep into the fandom of GNR? She's like, "That's it, Darius. You can't listen to any of the Guns N' Roses records. But like as punishment, you're gonna listen to Duff's solo record, Gilby Clark's solo record, Slash's Snake Pit. Like you could only listen to the Psy projects. That would have been <laughs> disheartening. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, isn't that hilarious? That the. Okay, yeah, you know what? It was I remember now. It was called uh, Guns N' Roses, the most dangerous band in the world, and it was Mick Wall. 
that oh, was the Mick wrote it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was in the early '90s, but that was that was the book that my mom took away from me and like. But you gotta understand, like when you're a kid, especially when you're a kid like in a little town in West Georgia, like where I grew up, like mm-hmm. I'm I, these. A band like Guns N' Roses is like, they're like superheroes. Oh, totally. I mean, it, they're, they're they, not they like were. real people. They're like, the way they look, like they, their long hair, their makeup, their their sunglasses, the cigarettes, and like, you know how like Slash would play and he'd have a cigarette dangling out of his mouth? Yeah. I mean, it was That's awesome. what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, but when you're in like fifth or sixth grade, you're like, wow, these people don't exist in my town. Well, totally. And, they, and this is amazing. And I want to, I, I, I worship these people because they're so fucking cool. There was something that I read when I was taking, I, I took drum lessons as a kid and I would, when I, you're, you're sitting in like the lobby area waiting for the next, you know, your turn. And mm-hmm. I, I remember reading like a guitar, I'd say it's guitar one or guitar world, whatever it was. And it was probably like in 1992 or 93, he was still in the band. So probably earlier was Izzy and Izzy did an interview, which by the way, Izzy's just the coolest motherfucker on the planet and Izzy did an interview and basically that it was that moment where I'm like these dudes are not like I don't know anybody like this where basically Izzy was like yeah when I'm on tour I don't shower because the oils in my fingers help me slide down the guitar neck better and I get to be more like slinky on the guitar and I'm like that's fucking disgusting I don't know anybody that doesn't bathe these dudes are uh, I don't know why that was the moment but just like you it's like these guys are like, they're like from Mars. Like this isn't normal. This is like, it's a different level of human, even though they're all probably, you know, <laughs> dirt bags, but it was like, it just didn't feel real. Like nobody does that. My parents shower. Everybody I know showers. I don't know why that was the moment for me. Weird, but they were yeah. just, they were just back then. Mm-hmm. They were just so, I hate to be cliche and quote the book, but they really were dangerous. And it was were. like, they were just, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but to me, I idolized them. Oh man, dude. I, and and it that was... was it for me. That's what, and, and to this day, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm a giant rock and metal freak. And that's yeah. all I listen to. And it's because of Guns N' Roses. Totally. And like, honestly, GNR for me was a gateway to hip hop too, because I already liked some hip hop, but I wouldn't have known about NWA, Public Enemy, uh, shit. There was others, but like Axel always repped that shit on stage. So I mean, Scott Ian did too, but it was Axel. Where like, oh my god, this isn't niche. This is like the biggest band in the world, and the guy's wearing a fucking NWA hat. Like, I have to check this group out. So it was because of Axel that I actually got into gangster rap, which is and, and like political rap, which is in you know that's insane. That's a huge part of what. I like too, as like he was an Ice Cube fan, an Ice T fan. Like it was just kind of wild. Nobody did yeah. that. If you were in a rock band at the time, you wore rock shirts. You were you were you wore leather and spikes, and you know you were like you were just a hard ass. And like he, they wore like fucking shorty shorts and Public Enemy t shirts. Yeah, oh, yeah, those, and and uh, those shorts. Uh, the Cat House, mm-hmm. Ricky Rockman, and uh, Tammy Downs Club. Yep. That's oh right. God. Oh, amazing. So, you know, by the way, it's funny you bring up Izzy Stradlin. You know, uh, you know uh, the song 14 Years off Use Your Legion 2? One of my favorite GNR songs. We, I want to get into that in a bit, but yeah, for sure. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's probably my top five favorite. Oh, me too. Absolutely. 
top five. Yeah. No, for, no, I, that's how much I love that. No, song. for me, in my top five, this is, I'm, yeah, I'll probably get a lot of shit for this, but in my top five GNR songs are the three Izzy Stradlin songs on lead vocals. So it's Double Talk and Jive, which is my favorite GNR song of that's all time. That's a good one. Is it really? Oh, yeah. 14 Years and Dust and Bones. Those are like in my oh. top five. Yeah. Well, first of all, those are all three great songs, but in. Oh, yeah. Look, 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 dude, I respect it, but I, I, I sort of. I mean. <laughs> Like I, I just would never put three Izzy songs in my top five. No, no fucking way. He but, just does but, it. I, he does it for me. I don't know. Well, I, I fourteen years is by far the best of those three. Well, okay, you like Double Talk. Yeah, about but it. see, that's, that's a great song. But fourteen years is a better song than Double Talk and Jive. I just like Double Talk and Jive better. Dude, dude, this is the way he sings fourteen years. It's oh. like, it, to me, I just imagine him in the corner of some dusty country bar with peanuts on the floor <laughs> yeah like, totally totally it's just so good man yeah this is my top five ever i mean you know? it's there's there's a lot of weirdness on those records like so fine and things like that but like i to, love it i love it too the only song to me that i never liked out of any of those first four records or three records in an ep was my world which just seemed like a bunch of bullshit but that's whatever that's not that's not that's not a real song no it's not a real song so, no. so, so let me ask you. So, while we're on this topic, get, give me your favorite song. Give me your favorite record. Oh man, I, you know I've been asked this before, um, and I, 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 okay, my favorite Guns N' Roses song is "You Could Be Mine." Yeah, that's fair because that's that's what that's what did it for me. Sure, I just it it it, it that song that song created Darius. <laughs> oh, thanks a, thanks a lot you thanks mom mine. and dad <laughs> i hope they don't hear this I, yeah i mean yeah you could be mine um my favorite guns and roses record i mean it, it, yeah use your illusion too yeah um because use your illusion too has you could be mine on it and it also has 14 years amongst many i mean dude the first fucking track on that album is civil war i know like are you, like, are you kidding me that's, that's how yeah. they that's how they kicked it off right it's like ridiculous that's what that's why i admire guns and roses i'm gonna get dude that band after appetite for destruction which is which is by the way the greatest rock record ever created it's definitely the best it's the most iconic rock record in our lifetime 100 yeah. 100 yeah but yeah so like I'm saying that Use Illusion 2 is my personal favorite, but I recognize that uh, Appetite is more important. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't? Of course. But, so anyway, but after, like, like Appetite is, like, a nice, sleazy, like, 11, 12 songs, however many songs it is. But it's, like, it's, 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 there you go. It's pretty tight. You know what I mean? But they don't, like, they don't, like, experiment at all on it. It's just a fucking great rock record with, like, one great iconic ballad on it. Sure. But then when they went into Use Your Illusion, it's like some producer said, hey, you have the amount of as much money as you want to go create whatever you want. And it unlocked this genius yeah. inside of Axl Rose. And the the songs that he created, along with the band members of Guns N' Roses, is just will will stand the test of time and the music videos that came out of that. Oh man, like I talk about that all. Like it's when I, when I was growing up at that time, it was November rain every five seconds. But what, what people forget is that I, I assume you do not. But what a lot of people forget is that they were probably because this is two albums. We're looking at thirty twenty eight or thirty songs. 
Yeah. They, they let them make, I think it was something like five or six videos and singles off each record. Like right. that is insanity. And we're talking going deep where they like made a million dollar video, which is unheard of at any time for estranged. There was dolphins diving off an aircraft carrier. Like, I love that song. Dude, honestly, and one of my favorite videos from that whole cycle and songs from either record is like they had to be probably 10 singles into this shit at the time and they put out a video for yesterday's which is them just playing in a warehouse, black and white. So, all right, so here's a trivia question for you. Okay. What was the last music video they created from the Use Your Illusion records? Oh shit. Okay. Uh fuck. I remember so, it like it was yesterday. I want to say that it was probably yesterday's, but I, I don't think it is now because you you would have nope. preempted it with that. What was it? Dead Horse. That's right. They made that weird like live hodgepodge video for Dead Horse. Yep. Yep. I was at my grandparents' house in Gainesville, Georgia, like sitting up in bed just watching MTV like I always did. I mean – the amount of MTV I watched back then, it was like it was psychotic. Wait, one. Um, I love that you're from Gainesville, Georgia, because it's like uh, it's you and AJ Styles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Lagrange, Georgia, but my grandparents lived in Gainesville. Got but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I just I specifically remember watching MTV for hour number nine of that day in my grandparents' <laughs> bedroom and like watching um, MTV. And they they were like, I remember the, the I think it was Ricky Rackman actually. I think it was on um, Medbangers Ball or something, and he was like. Here we go again, Guns N' Roses, with their last, hopefully, their last music video. <laughs> Here's Dead Horse, you know, and that's how, and it just stuck out in my mind. By the way, great song. Oh, totally you know? great song. I remember um, when they There's really a, no sleepers no. on either one of those records. Well, there, I, really, I think there's sleepers, but there's there's deep cuts. There's no bad. There's nothing bad, yeah. which is like insanity. How do you put out that many songs, two and a half hours of music, and there's nothing bad? And I remember- yeah. They, when you look back on it, it's so strange because this is had to be a result of them. The timeline works out, so I could be wrong. I'm, I'm projecting probably, but like mm-hmm. they did this whole tour of Japan. That's where they they filmed the two live VHS tapes of the Egg Dome, which I bought. Fucking amazing. Still have somewhere in a box downstairs in the garage. But after that, they put out the video for the for Garden of Eden. They did a video for the Garden too, but the video mm-hmm. for Garden of Eden, which was, to my knowledge, the first karaoke clip, basically, to live in the U.S. Because karaoke wasn't even a thing here till like, the mid-'90s. We're talking 1992. So they put out that video, which was one shot, one take, with, the, with like, the moving ball for karaoke, basically. They basically introduced karaoke to the United States. It's insane. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Because I remember when... You, the, congratulations, you have found a little piece of... A, <laughs> a, a little nugget of info on GNR that I didn't really think about or recognize or know about. Well, dude, it's so weird because, like, Soundgarden has a B-side on Down on the Upside called Karaoke. So they, they wrote yeah. a great fucking yeah. song, and they, they brought it here, and people were asking them, like, what the fuck is this? What word is this? What does this mean? And they're like, oh, right, this doesn't exist in the U.S. yet. So basically, like... Karaoke wasn't a thing until the mid to late 90s here, at least widespread, and GNR is here doing it in 1992. That video and that song are fucking amazing. Yeah, they're wild. They're just, it's like, uh, where you have, like, So Fine is like Axel Rose on Two Bottles of Wine. Then mm-hmm. you go into Garden of Eden, and that's Axel Rose after he did two lines of meth, crystal meth. I mean, like. <laughs> Like that, like that song and 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 music video are just insane, 
And then what is it, like a tight two, probably two minutes and 20 seconds? Something like that, Two minutes yeah. and 40 seconds? I don't know. Maybe. My favorite part of that video is where, like, the whole thing is just Axel's fucking face in the camera. The camera's like an uh-huh. upshot. And then it's, and then when Slash comes in for the solo, he just the moves, best. he moves Axel out of the way to do this. And it's like, I remember being a kid and watching that and I rewatched it recently and I'm like, nope, checks out. Still as fucking cool as it was when I was 12. Like it just still amazing. Still yep. so fucking cool. Still amazing. Yeah. Still amazing. It really yep. is, man. So like how, so obviously this is like a bit of a, the band didn't exist for quite some time or it existed in, you know, another form, so to speak. But how many times have you seen them like describe the live experience for you with GNR? Yeah, but you gotta understand. Okay, um, I never, I never got to see them in the original form. No, me. I mean, I, I oh, I, I was. It's I, one of my I, life's I, yeah. biggest regrets. But I, also, I was too yeah. little. It was just, yeah. it just wasn't like. If you remember, after by the time they made it uh, for Use Your Illusion and all that stuff, they were like playing stadiums. Remember they did that tour with Metallica and Faith No More? Yeah, dude. And, that they, and yeah, and half the tour ended up getting canceled because they were they were like fighting with the security and like. It was my first show. It was my first show. Oh, ever. you got to go! I didn't even get to see. Yeah, d- don't don't be jealous. So basically, what happened is that I saw Faith No More, my my favorite band of all time. I saw Faith No More, my first band I ever saw. So I on my favorite album cycle for Angel Dust. You, nothing can take that away from me. It was fucking awesome. Then I saw Metallica, which was like at that time, come on, Metallica, Black Album. It was fucking amazing. And I'd already been a fan for a number of years. And then we waited. This was in Miami. We waited and waited. And it was a school night. And we were an hour away from home. And it was about 90 minutes. And my dad was like, we got to go. So I never got to see Guns N' Roses in the original. I was there and never oh got to see them. God. And I don't blame him, man. I was getting bored. The crowd was getting restless. Like, dude, Miami, it was a... It was a Joe Robbie Stadium, where the Dolphins play, where the Marlins play, and it That's was so funny. Yeah, so I, I, so I don't know if it's better or worse. I was there and never I mean, got to see them. Well, wow, I, I, yeah, I never did either. I mean, then obviously they just went away, mm-hmm. and they just became this legendary band in my mind that I just carried with me my whole life. I'm like, Guns N' Roses is fucking awesome, but I never got to see them. I never imagine that they would reunite and i will admit when they did reunite i was disappointed that it was this uh you know iteration of the band that it is today but with that being said is this the appropriate time to get into spaghetti or uh chinese democracy or do we do that later oh no we could let's definitely get into chinese democracy all right so so the chinese democracy record comes out in 2008 and the the helped him create that change like 15 times dude he had like he had like eight different guitar no i think he had more than 10 guitar players that he swapped in and out when they when he was writing that record and like five drummers including brain from primus like it was just it was a wild time like i don't even yeah it's what i call the cornrow era (laughs) yeah so that was so that so that comes out and he he didn't perform like it was axel's band yeah it was like none of the other dudes are in it and he did not perform with any of these guys for like a while and then he did and he started doing those vegas shows yep so the first time i saw quote unquote guns and roses was in vegas at the joint hard rock casino which must have been in 2010 oh wow um 
And that was when uh, um, DJ Ashba yep. was the, the, the new guitar player. Um, I think, I, was it Richard Fortas was in the band? Yep. Yeah. And then when, Mark, was it, who was, oh, was it, who, it wasn't Buckethead. Who was the guy that was in the replace? No, hell no. No, it was DJ Ashba. But who was the, who was the guy from the replacements or whatever that was playing with them? Tommy Stinson. Yes. Yes. Tommy Stinson. That guy is a fucking badass. Oh yeah. He's so, amazing. So anyway, that was literally my first Guns N' Roses show. Um, I went to Vegas for a weekend and they, I went down and I, I remember walking in the venue at 11 o'clock at night and the opening band was still on. And I was like, wow, some things must never change. <laughs> so so I, I went back out to hang out in the casino for a little while and the band didn't go on stage until about 1230. Jesus. And they played until about 3.30. 3.30. And the show was incredible. Right. That's the thing, man. Like, they always went on late, but they always gave you your money money's worth. Always. They played late. Oh. Always. I was on a high for weeks after that. I was like, I was like, I don't care if Slash isn't in the band. You know? I don't care if Duff isn't in the band. I don't care if Steven Adler is in the band or even Matt Storm is in the band. I don't care. This is the what we have now. We should be thankful because Axel looked awesome. He sounded amazing. The band was so on point. The production was super sick. Yeah. It was it was fucking incredible. Like it was an amazing, amazing, amazing night. I think that we've cornered the Dizzy Reed fan in the room in you, Darius. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I love Dizzy Reed. I yeah, too. you're right. I did thank too. you. Thank you for bringing speaking of corners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you for bringing up Dizzy Reed. Yes. So he is he is the one guy that Axel has 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 kept in the band the whole time. Yeah. That, right. that guy's probably done very well for himself over the I hope he has. Oh. Yeah, because he's surely he's he's not making any money with hookers and blow. He's not making any money with hookers and blow. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, for all, is, the, li- it, for all the listeners that are listening right now, it's a band. It's a band. Right, right. We're, right. we're not saying because he spends his money on hookers and blow. It's because he's in a band called Hookers. And right. Blow. I mean, he might be, but I'm not getting into his personal information. But you know what? <laughs> but that's but right? that, but that's amazing that like because that I remember you know seeing that that incarnation of the lineup of that lineup play on, it was like the VMAs or something. And I remember watching it and Axel had cornrows, Dizzy had cornrows and they were all like, he was in football jerseys or something like that. And I remember it being like interesting and I'm like, Oh, these shows are always weird. I'm sure live it's fine. And I just never got to see it. I, 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 not, so not to check you right now. But I know what you're talking about when he was wearing the Oakland Raiders Jersey and he had the cornrows. Yeah. Yeah. That was not what I saw in Vegas. That was way before that. That was when he was about to. That was that was actually before Chinese Democracy even came out. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, shit. I mean, look. As long as you fucking in, like, that's the thing. Is like, it's if you could get people to, it's not going to be what it is. But I completely understand what you're saying. Like, I saw yeah. those. I saw that first reunion show with Duff slash. And, and and Axel at at the Troubadour, and I remember being. There you go. I was so butthurt the whole fucking time because I'm like, I waited in line for eight hours. I got in. It was at the old Tower Records. I I, I paid my ten dollars. There was like strippers inside. It was the fu- it was like they had turned Tower Records into like a CD club. It was fucking amazing. You paid your ten bucks. You didn't know where the show was until later that day. Showed up at the Troubadour. Waited in line again got in it wasn't oversold you could actually see everything and i remember 
at 11. It said they go on at 11 o'clock or whenever. And I'm like, oh my God, amazing. So they went on at 11.55. And I remember I was so like, it's not Guns N' Roses. There's no fucking Izzy. There's no Matt or Steve, whatever. And I remember that it was just the three of them stood up front and they just stood there and the crowd's going fucking nuts and they are about to, you know, they're about to go into it's so easy and to start the show. And they just stood up there in their fucking aviator sunglasses. And I looked at my buddy and I was like, yeah, this works. This'll work. I, I remember you going to that show. I was very jealous. You got into that. Oh man. I, I got sunburned from waiting outside. My back was all fucked up. Like, but I, 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 yeah. I, I there was no freebies. I was the last wristband in. It was yeah. pure luck. Literally, like, out of 180, I was number 180. It's insane. I made up for it later. I, oh, I, got, yeah, to go, yeah, I, got, yeah. I got to go to that Palladium show, mm. like, a year ago. That was, like... That's amazing. Yeah, it was... It was yeah, I, I've, I've seen them a few times since then. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's not anywhere near what the original lineup was, but it doesn't matter. It's, like... It's not Axel's not going to go out there with a bunch of fucking losers. Like he's right. going to put together a great band. Yep. And and you're going to love it. But now you get him slash and Duff. You know it's 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 about as legit as it's going to get because we're not going to get to really see. There's no Izzy Stralin. Izzy no. apparently Izzy had the invite like for like a while and he just didn't do it. He's Appar- like he has no yeah. he has no desire. You so know. so what happened apparently is that he took a buyout and he's good. So that's what I've heard. Sucks. I wish he would do it. I know, I know, but you know what? It's like I get it. <laughs> he's made his money and maybe the the odd guest appearance which he's done which is amazing, but god to get him to play those songs, my three favorites, that would be so rad. Yeah, but- I know. I hear my another question I have is like, why didn't they put Matt Storm back in it? Like, I don't. I get, I, I forget Stephen. Like Stephen Adler has his drug issues and all that stuff. Like, I get why you don't go with Stephen Adler. Like, by the way, at the LA Dodger, the Dodger Stadium show, they did bring him on stage for like two songs, and it was cool. Yeah. Well, because he's but but, but he's yeah, a bit of a mess. Yeah. He's yeah. a mess. He's a big mess. But yeah. but I'm just I, like I'm just saying like why not have Matt Sorum be a part of the reunion because he can certainly play all those songs and he was a part of the Use Your Illusion eras, you know? I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I mean, like they I think Frank Ferrier is a fucking amazing drummer. He actually might be the best drummer they've ever had. I, I, I just don't know. He's one of those guys that mixes he can play any style where Matt's style was so much more not technical. I mean, it, it is in theory, but like Steven Adler's like, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, he's a caveman drummer and he's a great caveman drummer, but Matt Storm is a much more nuanced player, I guess. And Frank knows how to ride the line and do all the things. So I get it. And maybe he's taking less of a cut and maybe Axel's making more money. That's I, what I think it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, look, and th- th- I actually wanted to go back and talk to you. I, I want to know, Tell me about Chinese democracy. So, how do you feel about this record? Because I have a follow up here too that I'm I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on. But like, tell me about like when you bought that record, what wh- what stood out to you? How you feel about it today? I think Chinese democracy is brilliant, mm-hmm. and I think that anybody that thinks otherwise doesn't know what they're fucking talking about, and they don't know their <laughs> ass on their elbow. Chinese Chinese democracy is a brilliant record. Matic. I don't Dude. I don't care. I don't care that none of the other guys are on it. I don't care that there was 
58 people that contributed to it on just drums alone. I don't care. I don't care that it took two decades to put like whatever. Chinese democracy is brilliant. There you go. It's a good record, man. I, and like, there's some gems on there. Like Madagascar is fucking awesome. Yes, sir. That's yes, that, sir. That's an epic track that I think gets lost. And, I, and that's that's where my follow-up led is that. So now, seeing them live now, which I have. I saw the forum show a few years ago, which was hopefully just an off night. It went a bit long. It was almost a four-hour show, and it was just too much. Too many covers. Too much Chinese democracy. But what was really strange, and I saw them putting it in the set list before the show, and then I saw it, too, and it was... I didn't feel good about it, but they, they, I, it's got to be a contractual thing where these guys that didn't play on that record, ha, there's like they play a few Chinese democracy songs, including the title track, whatever. Fine, fair, GNR. But I think they, they play. They, they play better, don't they? They play better. They play. They have played Madagascar, and they played something, and then they played title track and something else. Better is a fucking great song. It's a great single, great song. But what always got me was that they play Slither. Like Velvet Revolver, Slither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen him do that a couple times. I like it. I do not like that. But I also I do. I do. But I also love that song. So I don't like Velvet Revolver. <laughs> oh, I love Velvet Revolver. I don't. I'm not the world's biggest Scott Weiland fan. Oh, now you're losing me. See, I love STP. I love STP, and I love him in STP. But his solo career was just mm, not good couple of good tracks in the first record and then i know that the first like i know that, that first velvet revolver record is really good it's just something about it just doesn't feel right and the second one completely lost me it's just not scott, scott wyland scott wyland is the greatest front man of our of our generation no oh, see we are going to agree to disagree yeah well i mean the only thing is, is that i'm right and you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> scott wyland is the greatest front man of our generation but but okay Let's not. We don't have to go down that road because this is about Guns N' Roses. That's right. That's so right. okay. So <laughs> if you look at Chinese democracy, I, I just can't. I just can't speak highly enough about it. I think it's amazing. My favorite song on there is "There Was a Time." Oh, that's a great one. Super the end good. of it. Yep. The end of it is just. It just. Ugh. Yeah, it's I wish a, they would play that one live. I mean, they might, right? That's the thing about these bands. You think about these bands that have these short runs. Like, obviously, Chinese Democracy, the 16th the year, the time span was insanity. But when you think about these bands that don't have these these large catalogs, like you think about a band like Failure, GNR, The Doors, that have this, obviously, Failure's in a different sphere but you know failure but we're, but we're, we're we're big fans right so oh yeah so yeah. but you think about these bands where they only have this limited well to 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 choose from and a band like gnr who plays the three and a half hour set every night the well's gonna run dry you're gonna you're gonna tire of playing the song that you dropped in the set that you haven't played in a while like they dropped locomotive in on the last tour which was like i wasn't there but i saw the live clip one of the best GNR deep cuts ever. And I was surprised that they put coma in the first round of touring. I was like, really? Like that to me was the big confusion. I was like, of all the deep cuts, like that's like one of my least favorites. It's of the Epic songs. It's definitely, I don't want to call it weak because it's not weak, but it's like, yeah, it's a good song, but like, I were you at the one of the Coachella shows? No, I wasn't at the Coachella shows. Okay, yeah. So I, I went. Um I went because 
Guns N' Roses. Sure. It was like, I, I wanted to see Slash, Duff, and Axel on stage together. I will never go to Coachella again. <laughs> uh, it was an absolute, yeah, I mean, it was an absolutely miserable experience. And I showed up, you know, two and a half hours before Guns N' Roses were on stage. And as soon as Guns N' Roses was done, I got back in my car and I drove home. That's three, amazing. three hours in traffic to get back home. I didn't care. Yeah, I was drinking coffee. Like, I just, I was like, I wanted to be at that place for the least amount of time possible um, because I was there for fucking Guns N' Roses, you know? I don't, I don't, um, blame, I don't blame you, man. I've been to Coachella one time. I passed up every other opportunity and it was, I went with an art. Funny enough. Wow. That's a really good tie. And I went, thanks to my buddy, Chris Trevero. He was running day to day for the replacements at the time, and this was in 2014. And yeah. he was that was with Queens of the Stone Age, Muse, City in Color, Kid Cudi. He ended up taught the replacements re- played on Friday night, and my show was until Saturday. So I drove out Saturday morning, met him at a hotel. They had Tommy Stinson's wristband he wore on stage because he got the fuck out like the second they were done. So I got his wristband and like a third of a bottle of gray goose, which I just left there. I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want it. It open. was weird. <laughs> it was I mean, so Don't weird. you think it like it did like, did it? I get, I get why they did it. I'm sure the payday was amazing. Oh, it's incredible. Um, like rage was supposed it, to get $8 million a weekend. Yeah. Like it's insanity. And it's a look, let's be honest. It's the biggest music festival in the entire world. But like, yeah, I, as a fan, like, listen, I'm in the business. I, I, in fact, Guns N' Roses is a client of my agency. That's so. That's cool, right? I didn't but, know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I got into the Palladium show last year. But, uh, you know, I'm a fan going back to fifth grade. So it was weird. My first experience being at Coachella, you know. I never wanted to go to Coachella and I now I and now that I have been I'm I know that I never want to go back. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I it was I mean you. when you're walking in and it's like so many kids like in high school and just like right out of college that are acting like huh. Oh, it, it, it's it not like an old geezer, man, but no, like it was it's a not, fast fashion show. It wasn't a Guns N' Roses show, dude. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to people you. People were yeah. so disinterested in the crowd, and I was, like, pretty close to the stage, and, like, people could not have given a shit, you know? I mean, I'll put it to you this way. You know how much I love and obsess over Faith No More. When they reunited to play – they didn't reunite to play Coachella, but they played Coachella on that initial run. I did not go. That's how much I, I, I loathe – festivals and that kind of festival now mind you when i was there that day for the show i was at i had a great fucking time i was with my two friends i was we had a great time but like dude i walked in in black jeans black cons and in a black zeppelin t-shirt like nothing changed it wasn't not the smartest attire for for you know for the desert but it was look i got to be tommy stinson for a day it was pretty fucking cool yeah, that is cool. So if we were sitting here doing this, because I know initially we were going to talk about another band, and I think this is, now that we're talking about it, I feel we made the right decision. It's much more important to, like, honestly, like, both of our upbringings and why we're even sitting here today. What other band, do you have a band that's maybe, like, a sizable band that you would talk about on a podcast that isn't GNR? Like, what else would you would you dive into headfirst? 
Dude, there's like 25 bands I'd talk about. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, there's a lot of bands that mean the world to me, man. Of course. Um, I figured you'd talk about Molly Crew. Yeah. Uh, Molly Crew, uh, Pearl Jam. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Met- Metallica. Sure. The Deftones, Filter, Local H. Oh, yeah. Um, Local H would be a good one. Yeah. Oh God. Local H is in my top five favorite bands of all time. I know. I didn't know that till we went to that show together and I was like, you were like, dude, they're going to play this. I'm like, how do you know? I like, it's one of those, it's like, for me, it's like King's X or like propane. One of those bands that just like, you don't think anybody still fucks with. And then you go to the show and you're like, I totally understand why people still fuck with this band. Show was amazing. Like that lineup of local H helmet and filter. That was an insane show. That was very, very, very good. I do remember. So, I do remember that night though. That like Richard Patrick kept staring at me in his weird, like gimpy, full leather outfit, and he kept staring at me. And I'm like, bro, I don't know all the words. I'm not that fan of this band. I came for Helmet, and I came for my buddy Darius. Stop looking at me. It's <laughs> so weird. If, if you were to, if you were to say, hey Darius, like, what are your top five favorite bands? First of all, that's a horrible question to ask somebody that's a giant music head like myself. That's why I didn't ask you. Yeah. So (laughs) what I say is like, if if what what is like current, like currently putting out shit, it's like Deftones, Local Age, Seven Dust, Filter, Pearl Jam. You know, those are like my current bands. But if you said you are going on a desert island Mm -hmm. and you can only pick five bands that you listen to for the rest of your life. Completely different question completely different and that's why and by the way i'm glad that you recognize that rum rose this is why we were friends <laughs> this is because because only music heads would recognize that that's a really fucking different question sure you know what i mean i mean you can you can dig into a band your whole life but ultimately uh-huh. if you if you told me I, my desert island top, i never even thought about i mean i've thought about the like the 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 whole conception of this, but I never really thought about like putting a big pen to paper being like, these I are have. My f- oh, well, tell me what are your five desert okay. islands? So if I, if you said you can only listen to these five bands for the rest of your life, you cannot listen to another shred of other music. My desert Island top five, not top, no particular order, sure. but my five Pearl jam, mm-hmm. Metallica, Allison chains. It's good. It's a good list. Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses. See, I was hoping you were going to throw it off with something super weird like, yeah, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, fucking Vertical Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so hoping that you were going to like throw like a fucking wrench in there. Like, I fuck with DC Talk so heavy. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, dude. No, uh, yeah, that's that's my Desert Island top five. But yeah, like that's great, my, man. That's great. My current top five doesn't even have Guns N' Roses in it because you know Guns N' Roses doesn't put out any music. Sure. So it's yeah. just it's just different. But like, fuck, man. What, what it's, it's, it's so difficult to rank them all. It is, and like the the no particular order thing I get because when I go through my top five bands ever, it's like it it might always be the same bands, but the order shifts always. Like yeah. if if Pearl Jam's on tour. They're my favorite band, bar none. There's no second. There's nobody. Like, Faith No More, my favorite band since I was seven years old. They're not even the fucking equation. Like, when Pearl Jam is on tour, Pearl Jam is my favorite everything. But when they're not, and I'm not going to those shows, Faith No More inches right back up to the top. That's just the way it is. Dude, I give you so much credit for 
finally, finally, finally showing me the light on Fates No More. Oh, I was the one that did that? Yeah, dude. I I never understood that band. I always thought they were mediocre. I never I never really particularly liked their music. And it was, uh, you were like, dude, I got an extra ticket. They're playing the will turn. Let's go. Wait, that, like, I, that night I, did it? That was the night. Fuck. Oh, my God. That's like the best compliment I could ever get. Yeah, no, no, dude. Like I bought that record like later on that year. Oh no, did I? I went up to Seattle and I saw them at Bumbershoot. That's right. I remember and, you did that. Yep. Yeah, and I'll never forget Mike Patton standing in the front of the stage and looking out over this big crowd, like running underneath the Space Needle, and he goes, "So is this grunge enough for you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I like I almost like fell over laughing, and I was like this. This band is fucking great. Not just because the, the lead singer is like, you know, kind of crazy and funny and whatever, but like the musicianship is real in oh, that it's band. Unre- it's unbelievable, man. They're it's- really, 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 really good. And and I never, it never clicked, but it it did because of you. Oh man, um, that's it's so yeah. it's so amazing that you said that because like one, that's thank you, but two, I feel that you weren't the only person that I fully converted that we whether it was me or not. Like I remember um, Jen Hovick, who who you know, who I worked with at Ingrooves in Fontana, and uh, yeah. brought with me to Dynalo when I was there. Jen was one of my one of my great friends, and she always liked Faith No More, but she went to that show. I think she was with her sister and her sister's husband. They fucking he was already a fan. I think she was too, but like. That was like I think the turning point for them, making them from like casual to super fan. I brought my wife to one of the nights, and she was always like, obviously loved the band, appreciated it. But until she saw that that show at the Will Turn, it was like, oh holy shit! Like this is a different level of like being a band. It's just a different like the tongue in cheek. Then it's serious. Then it's not like like just like you said. Like who reunites and opens the show? with peaches and herb reunited like and crushes it like better than the original can i can i flip the script and ask you a question of like course. let me be let me be the uh the mm-hmm. interviewer what is a podcast host podcast man i believe is the technical podcast term. man by the way <laughs> by the way this isn't my first rodeo i i i, I did podcasts before they were called podcasts you, you, were, you were, they were precast. It's it's precast. Yeah, they were, they were, yeah, they were, yeah, they were called webcast back then. That's right. I, I co-hosted a show called All Knowing Force for years. That's it. so. Um, you were the pre-cum of uh, of uh, of intercourse for podcasting. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I but it's true. I did podcast for their called podcast. So this Amazing. isn't my first rodeo, but I do, I would it. like to flip the script a little bit. All right, what's up, man? Tell me. Ask so, me. So I didn't get into Faith No More until 2015. And of course, I've listened to all the records. You know what my favorite Faith No More record is? I don't. Tell me. Soul Invictus. Yeah, that's that. So you... How weird is that? A and B, what do you think of Soul Invictus? And is that in your, does that, how do you, how do you feel about it? So I, yeah, I mean, I, I could go into this for days, but I, I'll keep it very succinct and very brief. I Give me your 90-second spiel. Let's do it. 90-second. We'll do a you know, Faith No More tour with Guns N' Roses. We'll throw it in. So okay. I feel that of all the bands that had kind of been around, I mean, just like GNR, and reunited or put out a record after a extended period of time, We've talked about this at length. To, in my mind, no band has ever done it better than Alice in Chains. What they were up against and the record that they came out with with Black Gives Way to Blue, 
That is the best comeback record of all time. Of all time. Hard of all time. Now, I 100% agree. Like, Greatest comeback record ever. Because they were against insurmountable odds. And I, I fought those odds. That's a whole other episode. But yes, I believe that that is the greatest comeback record of all time. Now, I always keep Alice in Chains, Failure, and Faith No More in the same bucket that way because Failure came back after, I think it was 19 years or something like that, and they made Hard as a Monster, and that record's fucking great. But it's not up to par. It, doesn't, it feels like it does continue Fantastic Planet, but they can never top Fantastic Planet. That's just how it is. They're a fucking great band. All their records are great. They've dug themselves into a hole because Fantastic Planet is the genre to fire. Faith No More, Saul Invictus, is the natural continuation, albeit 19 years later or whatever, of Album of the Year. That record could have so come good. out, it, literally, with Album of the Year in 97, that record could have come out in 1999 or 2000. What... And it would have, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I would have said, yeah, that totally makes sense. So the it's fact so it's so good. And I went back to it recently because it'd been a minute and it just, it got better. It holds up in every way. And I saw five shows on that tour. I saw the three wheel turn shows, the observatory show where they played the record. You will love this as like a music nerd. Like I am, they played the entire record back to front. Oh, did they really? They started like literally back to front. It was I'm like, what is happening? And then I booked a trip to Canadian Music Week in Toronto around a bunch of work shit that Faith No More happened to be playing that week. So I got to see them in Toronto as well. And that show was incredible with a really good friend of mine, Gina Sims. And I, I what like that record to me holds up with their entire catalog. It's not my favorite, but it did What's your favorite? See, that's a question. Angel, Angel Dust. Angel Dust, I have that connection to that it was my first favorite record. It, like, it will always be my favorite record. Like, Caffeine's my favorite song. But I know that King for a Day is their best record. I know it is. It's, it, it is their best record, and, like, by a mile. Hands down. Yeah. Same, yeah. Way, same thing with... Same, I, I feel that, like, Guns N' Roses is a different one for that because, like... I'm shocked that you actually said use your one of the use your illusions because I feel that way. But you you pull ninety five out of a hundred GNR fans, they're gonna say appetite. Uh, well, they're not right. Did, well, 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 um, I, I think that it depends on your age. Sure, sure. You know, um, if you're a newer Guns N' Roses fan of uh, the last. 15, 20 years. It's so funny to say 20 could be newer years. But I, anyway, know, I know. I if know. you're a newer Guns N' Roses fan in the last 20 years and you are consuming the entire catalog all at once, mm -hmm. I can see why uh, uh, Appetite would be your favorite record. I mean, it is the greatest rock record of all time, but mm -hmm. I, I, I'm from a personal level, I just connect with the Use Your Illusions because that's what made me become a music fan at all. You know, Same. totally. So it's like, so yeah, I got into Appetite kind of after the fact. Of course I heard Paradise City on the fucking radio. Like, who didn't back then? But it, it's not the same thing as when you're consuming the whole record. That's right. Like, That's right. Dude, but like, I remember being on the bus, going on a field trip to Atlanta, Georgia, to this art museum, the High Museum of Art. And I was listening and singing out loud, Mr. Brownstone, having <laughs> no idea that it was about heroin. Yeah, I didn't know that until way too late. Like, probably college. 
Oh, really? Maybe late. Oh, see, see, you should have read the book. <laughs> I should have definitely read the yeah, book. Yeah, dude, you should have read the book. Yeah, but I was, I was like seeing, he's been hanging with yeah. Mr. Brown. So he's like a, the heroin dealer. Yeah. You know, and right. then like my Michelle's got prostitution, all that stuff in it. Like, I mean, the, the lyrics are so dirty and so raw and well, it's just, it's an amazing record. But it's, it's a good, I, I actually, that, that actually ties into something that I've been asking everybody on this. And with GNR, I thought we wouldn't get to it because it's so blatantly obvious, but you just made the best segue ever where I, I'm trying to ask people, like, if there was like, what is a strip club anthem? What's the sexy song? What's because when you're talking about like, I had a past episode where I talked about the Beatles. What the fuck is the strip club anthem for the Beatles? What is the strip club anthem for, you know, for you know X band, whatever, for GNR? To Paradise me, City. it's Parad. Well, it's Paradise City or my Michelle, but to me, it's Rocket Queen. Oh wow! Well, not the end of it. Well, the well, en- the end of it is almost like it should have been a thirteenth track on the record. It's a totally dude, different song. Totally the end, different song. The, you know, the end. The end of Ro- Rocket Queen is such a beautiful song. Gorgeous. That's you know what I mean? Like, like if you were to pick a moment in Guns N' Roses album history, going from song one to whatever the last track is on Chinese Democracy, mm-hmm. that last minute of Rocket Queen was when you realize that this is a genius band we're talking about. Oh, 100 percent. Like no band was do- like because they were so in your face. It was like a punk thing, but it wasn't. It was metal, but it wasn't. And then they end it on that. And that's got to be like the filthiest song on the record. I mean, literally they're having sex during the fucking bridge. And then the girl, you know who the girl is that, that Axel's having sex with on that song. I totally forgot, but please tell me. It was Steven Adler's girlfriend. That's right. He, that's right. He's, he's, he, he, he snuck her into the studio and put on a bunch of microphones and had sex with her in the studio and recorded it and didn't tell Steven and Steven found out about it later and obviously flipped out. Well, that was, yeah. Steve, that was Steven Adler's girlfriend. Can, but, you, can you imagine? <laughs> but, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they were, they were crazy and amazing. And but anyway, so yeah, you like, you're saying that song is crazy. That song is, is dirty and everything. But then the last like minute, it's just this beautiful, like it's gorgeous, ballad, gorgeous, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it was a completely off, like out of left. I think "Think About You" is the only song that even kind of hit those kind of notes on that record, but not not to that extent. That's just a gorgeous, epic moment. So, uh, what we didn't touch on, and I don't, we don't need to get into like lies and some of the controversy because I just don't. I don't want to talk about that. But I, I wanted to ask you. I wrote this down because I wanted to ask you a very strange question to kind of like. I feel this is a good wrap up because I we could talk about this forever. But yeah. what is your song on the spaghetti incident? Wow, you're picking the one album that I do not connect with at all. No, I'm not saying you have to. I don't think anybody fucking connects with the spaghetti incident. I I feel like the spaghetti incident. I feel like they. I feel like they were so checked out. I feel oh, like yeah. that they did. I feel like they didn't want to be there. No. Well, first of all, they didn't. Didn't he fire Slash and Matt Sorum on that album? Like, like during that album cycle, he fired them both, I think, before it even came out. There was something where I can't remember exactly what happened, but they like th- that was a dis- I mean, look, that was a band that had been on tour for damn near two and a half, three years. They got put in the studio to do it. I'm not even sure about the circumstances as to why they did it, but I mean, because they were playing some of those songs live on the Use Your Illusion cycle, like they were playing 
Misfits cover Attitude, which is great, that Duff sings. They were playing, they were tagging Big Dumb Sex by Soundgarden, and I want to say they played, um, what the fuck, the hidden song, the Charles Manson song. Um, I can't remember the name, uh, but and they were playing the Johnny Thunders tune. But Look at your game, girl. Look at your game, girl, right, which is amazing. It's so good. But, you know, and Since I Don't Have You was actually a hit single. Yeah, it just, I... I love that cover. That that yeah, you know that album just it just turns me off, man. Well, first of all, it's all covers. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it's a hideous album cover. So bad. Third, the story behind it is hideous. The uh, you know, it, 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 that album resulted in like major members of the band being fired. That was when Axel. That's when Axel's ego was bigger than this entire planet you oh, know yeah it was i mean and, like it's hard it just, to imagine how big somebody that's you know maybe insecure or not i don't i don't i don't know axel i don't want to you know god, i've never met the guy but god they, they were having that kind of complex i get they were the biggest band in the world with no competition none i i would imagine that that the, the that the actual band members are kind of embarrassed by that and i, I I don't know. I can't speak for them. I just I would imagine that they are because as a as a super fan, I'm embarrassed by it. Oh, see, I don't mind it. I actually like. I, I'm never gonna go back to it and be like, you know what? I feel like listening to the Spaghetti Incident front to back. Never gonna happen. I might do it out of like a chronological fucking experiment on Apple Music or Spotify. But there's some song, come some covers on there that are done. It's produced really well. Like the cover sure. since since I don't have you is so good. Like it is good. It Buick it, McCain. Yeah, it, yeah. I just don't understand. I just didn't understand. I just, I didn't understand the point of it. And I still don't understand the oh, point of it. It's man. like, to me, your guns and roses, you don't need to put out a covers record. Like after use your illusion one and two, like no, don't do that. No, but, and especially because two of the singles off those respective records were already covers. They always did a lot <laughs> I know. of covers. Very and, good point. Yeah. Very and, good point. Look, I, I, and to me, those were exposure to those two songs for the first time. Like, Knocking on Heaven's Door, I heard it GNR first. Live and Let Die, I heard GNR first. So it's a weird thing. It's what I call the Spaceballs quotient because I saw Spaceballs before Star Wars. So Star Wars is always hilarious to me because I saw Spaceballs first. <laughs> so... Oh, I- I love that music video for uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, it's so great. That was... That microphone with the white foam oh, yeah. thing on it. Now, here's like, here's a weird one. That, I believe, was the first single off of User Illusion 1. Uh, Almost positive of that. Here, let me go back and look at the track listing. You might be right, but I, I don't want to say that. Just here, Hang on. Let's look at the track listing. Let's do it. Okay, you don't think it was Don't Cry? I don't think it was Don't Cry, which, by the way... It is... definitely wasn't November Rain. November Rain was like the second or third single, and yeah. that's what obviously blew them into the stratosphere. Um, you sure it wasn't Don't Cry? No, I'm not sure. I'm just guessing. I think it was. I, I, I remember Don't Cry being having the single greatest music video, like, few seconds to this day. It's my favorite, like, piece ever in a music video is when... He walks into that room. Axel sees what's going on, puts his finger up like, yo, hold on a second, and walks into the mirror. Yeah. That's, I mean, also oh, yeah. the stupidest ending to the most gorgeous song ever, 42 <laughs> seconds of, like, God knows what. But, like, you know, that's become a joke over the years. If you don't yeah. if you don't know, you don't know. 
But um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, I feel the spaghetti incident was just one of those things where contractual obligation, band on tour, hottest band in the world. Geffen was probably like, get in the studio, knock out these covers because they probably didn't have any originals written. And how can we make money off Guns N' Roses in 1993? And it probably worked. They sold a couple million copies of that record. Of course. You know? They could have they could have put out a spoken word album and it would have sold totally. a couple million records. You know, they didn't, it didn't printing, matter. No, they were printing fucking money at that point. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, look, man, it's... It's just one of those bands that I, I, I love that I get to talk wow. to you about this because there's very few people I feel, and I don't mean this, I mean this is the utmost compliment. There are very, very few people that I think fuck with GNR as much as we do that w- will be as complimentary of a record like Chinese Democracy that come at it from an angle where it's not just all about appetite and a few other songs. It, it's you you come at this from an actual fan's perspective because you are a real fucking fan. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they, Guns N' Roses is in my blood. I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, dude, I, 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 I consume it. So, by the way, I, I can answer the question. Okay, Here okay, okay. So, so Don't Cry was the first single. Huh. It was released on September 17th, 1991. Wow. Uh, Live and Let Die was December 3rd, 1991. My and then old... November Rain was February eighteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Jesus, my eleven-year-old self, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, I told you. I see. I, 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 there was a part of me that was like, "It's not live and let die." I, no, I knew it. Don't cry. No, and it's funny Epic because video, by the way, it is. And also, what's what's interesting is that "Don't Cry" was apparently written back in nineteen eighty-six. So it's very similar to like the Better Man story, where it was written pr- almost pre-guns. Maybe it was during the Hollywood Rose days, and to wait that long to sit that long on a song like that. Like maybe yeah. it wasn't hashed out or whatever. What were you thinking? It's gotta be one of the greatest GNR songs of all time. Trivia question. Who sings background vocals on don't cry. Shannon Hoon. There you go. All right. That was too easy for you. That was oh, too easy for you. No, no, no. Shannon it's, Hoon of blind melon. Yeah. It's funny. Such because... a weird, such a weird friendship. Um, it, between it Shannon Hoon and Axl Rose. Also, another top GNR deep cut that I love that I actually introduced my wife to like only probably like two years ago. And she's like, wait, I fucking love this is You Ain't the First. Because oh, you love it. That's that's again, it's Axel, Izzy and Shannon Hoon singing lead vocals on that track. That's such a great tune. Such a great tune. That's such a great one. Uh, I could talk forever about the Use Your Illusion records and then and all of it, man. We, I, I guess we never touched on GNR Lies. I mean, that's great too. It's okay. I mean, look, so man, it's just too short. It is. And my favorite version of You're Crazy is on there and like the Live Like a Suicide, like all those tracks are great, but it's like a different band almost. They were still like this power glam band at the time. And I'm thankful we have it. I fucking love Lies. But man, I'm so stoked that you talked user illusion. This is what I wanted this to be about. <laughs> As, like, yeah. Like selfishly, I'm like, can we just talk about user illusion for like fucking seventy minutes? Give me your top. Give me your top five user illusion songs. Ooh, okay. We'll do the no particular order thing. So we're gonna do fourteen years, dust and bones, double talking jive. Wow, you, yeah. I love how deep cut you yeah. get, dude. Well, well, I mean, all right, I, go ahead. All right, all right, so, all right, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. So it's all, Civil War. And of then yeah. I yeah. want to say Right Next Door to Hell. But I'm probably going to say uh, it might be Estranged. Well, Estranged is definitely my, my five. Tell me yours. 
14 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be mine. Mm-hmm. Estranged. <sighs> St- <laughs> Civil War. See, like four of mine are in yeah. are in two. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to say. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's either going to be. It's either going to be Garden of Eden or or I got you know what forget it it's don't cry I just lo- I just love that oh, song yeah yeah, yeah I, I actually we just talked about it and I forgot about it immediately you know what don't cry is such an epic song they wrote two two versions of it with two different sets of lyrics yeah the alt version and put them on strange. both user looms it is it is but I still listen to it I, do I don't too. care <laughs> it's a great song. It feels like you're in some alternate universe. Literally, it's like, wait, what? What? Because like, I don't actually know those lyrics nearly as well as the other version. So I'm always like, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but I like it. But I feel like I'm uncomfortable. It feel like it. It feels like wearing a pair of jeans that are a size too small. Yeah, I was the one who was washing blood off your hands. That was on the second one. That's right. Oh my god, I haven't listened to that version in so long. I'm gonna it's go. It's great. I'm gonna, I love that. I love that. I love that lyric. Well, now I'm so. gonna do. I gotta do the deep dive because now I'm gonna put together the podcast playlist, and that'll be on there for you know front and center. Darius, thank you so much. You can follow Darius Sabat at, at Darius Sabat on Instagram if you'd like to. He's hilarious. I think it's D, I think it's D Sabat. It's D Sabat. Cause, yeah, you know, dude. Yeah. I think it's D Sabat on Instagram. Yeah, you don't want to follow Darius Sabat. It doesn't exist. So follow uh, D Sabat and uh, yeah. dude, love you. Let's love uh, you too, man. Let's do this again soon.